Scripture teaches that saving a person from hell was not easy. Ultimately, it took Jesus dying on the cross for this to happen. And even while walking on this earth, the message that he brought was not readily accepted, was it? Even the apostles went through difficult times in reaching the lost. I imagine until they had some hindsight concerning various circumstances, they waited to see how the Lord was going to deal with the situation. Could it be their death? Could it be saving a life from hell? And after Paul, through Jesus, removed that spirit of divination in Acts 16, 18 from that slave girl, did he know for sure that Rome's rod of punishment was going to come across his back? Did he know and plan on going to prison after that experience? You might think Paul and Silas being thrown deep into that prison was a type of hell. And it probably was. And I'm sure that is nothing in comparison with the reality of eternal hell. That's the lesson today. It's called saving from hell. The first point is consider the Lord's mission. Second is consider his reality. And third, consider the body. So first, consider the Lord's mission. Anytime, anytime Jesus dealt with spirits, evil spirits, demons, things like that, you will notice in Scripture they knew exactly who he was. Like the demon who described himself as legion in Luke 8.30. What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In a similar way, this spirit of divination for that slave woman knew who Paul and the other missionaries for Christ were. These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the spirit of salvation, Acts 16, 17. Interestingly, these evil spirits were not allowed to speak or continue to speak. Why? Well, I believe it's the mixed message that they are presenting. What they said was true in reference to God, but they had no desire to follow God's teaching. They were not servants of God. To allow them to continue would hurt the message given. Now again, did Paul and the other missionaries, particularly Silas, know exactly what would happen after Paul removed that spirit from that slave girl? If he did, he didn't care. <laughs> he was going to do it anyway. There was a bigger problem. It was the mixed message. And Paul dealt with it. And it came out that very hour. Acts 16, verse 18. Now you've heard the phrase, I'm sure, spare the rod and spoil the child. Right. Proverbs has some statements similar to that. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Proverbs 22:15. 15. 
Do not withhold discipline from your child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. I like that one. Proverbs 23, 13, the kids might not. The rod of reproof gives wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Proverbs 29, 15. Of course, this is talking about proper discipline for a child, right? But that is nothing compared to the Roman rod across the back. To understand what Paul and Silas went through, listen to this. The rods were usually made of birch wood, and the Roman soldiers would beat their victims mercilessly all over their entire body. So when Scripture says this in Acts 16, 22 through 23, the crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Paul and Silas were suffering. Anybody ever hit your head on something? Just one hit? Now imagine many blows over a body that does not have clothes on it, on the back and on the legs and on the front and on the side. Roman's rod was probably more than just discipline, wasn't it? Now, I've never received the rod. I've never received a caning from my parents. But they did not withdraw the rod of discipline. I wish they did a few times, but they did not withdraw the rod of discipline. But when I received my discipline, it wasn't too long before I, I, I eventually received the other part of their love and comfort. Notice the other part of their love. Discipline is a part of love, isn't it? Well, so is affirmation after the fact. But under Rome, Paul and Silas were recipients of Roman corporal punishment. In the deepest part of prison, they were fastened to the stocks. Did they hear birds chirping? Did they feel the wind and the breeze? Or was the rat their closest friend? And I doubt, I really doubt it, but I doubt that they received any ointment or care for their beating. But did this stop their mission? Did this experience, while they were going through it, stop their mission? They prayed together. Wow. I can see that. My prayer would be, get me out of here. But they sang together. 
When people sing, it's usually not down in the dumps. It's praising God. And many times we put the gospel message in those songs, don't we? What are they doing? They're singing the gospel message. They're praying. What are they praying for? Get me out of here or how does this serve you, Father? How is this going to help us understand? And we ex we're excited about whatever happens according to your will. You see, they were in a form of hell. The prison but they were more concerned with others who were going to real hell. The second point, consider his reality. And the his here is not God, it's the jailer. For we find in this passage a wonderful conversion story along with Lydia's. <clears throat> For those who know this passage, I'm going to jump right into it. Who do you know that would fall on a literal sword? The businessman? Mm, the, 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 uh, the regular person? The child? Most likely a soldier. Who's going to fall on a literal sword? We see that Saul, that was one of his decisions, right? Now, Rome would kill any soldier who did not uphold to their duty. And it was not something unaccustomed to see them take their own life, according to that history, if they fell down on the job so that they didn't have to deal with Rome's punishment themselves. Now I find it interesting that this jailer's first thought was what? To kill himself. That's exactly what he was doing. When Paul shouted out, maybe in prison somewhere, the doors were wide open, but that doesn't mean that they were outside, I don't think. Stop! We're here! We're here! Paul seemed to know either he was told or he already knew it because he understood Rome, being that he was a Roman, that a soldier's duty if they fell down was to take their life or to receive that kind of punishment if it was severe enough. Likely, this jailer was a retired Roman military man, according to historical concepts of how Rome did things. This is what Roman history teaches. He would have gone through the ranks, learned to fight and kill for Rome. Remember, Rome's current history, even at this time, is expansionism. They were constantly going to war. They took over Spain. They took over South Cyprus before that and then down into Africa. They were heading later on into Germania. Then they went up into Britain. They were all about taking territory and fighting and war. They were always going to war with what they considered barbarians. Anyone who is not a Roman and not a Greek is a barbarian to a Rome, Roman. 
They were going to war, and they were vicious, vicious warriors. I mean, vicious. They had no mercy. If you try to strike a deal, guess what? They'll kill you for it after the fact, and then control the area. They were vicious. For a Roman soldier, a person who retires is a person who has gone to war most likely and survived. Survived. His retirement might allow him to have a family now while working a non-military job. This may be the case. I don't know completely for sure. But to kill himself would have been something ingrained in him as a Roman soldier. Not as a diplomat. Not as a regular Joe on the street. So here we have in Acts chapter 16, 26 through 27. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, what did he do? First thing, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. When I think of American prisons today, I don't believe they call for the guards or jailers to kill themselves if someone escapes. We have, a, we have some people here who might know that, but I don't think that happens. They might get fired. They might get a raise. You never know anymore. But to expect them to fall on a literal sword, eh, it's not going to happen. Think of it this way. Are you going to fall on a grenade if one's thrown in the middle here? Or do you have to be trained to do that, most likely, as a soldier? Most people are going to dash as far as they can. The one who's trained jumps on it to save the others. But we're not dealing with the American system, are we? We're dealing with Roman might makes right system. Many, if not all of us, have been trained by the world. We have been trained by the world. Trained to believe that we have no way out. That we are meaningless. That we must throw ourselves on the sword when things go bad. That this life or your reputation is all there is. Perhaps like this jailer. So we punish ourselves and or we punish others, right? Because we don't know how to handle deep down distressful situations correctly. The distress caused by the world and worldliness. But after Paul yelled at the jailer, right? I get the point. I get the, the idea. He's not standing by him, touching him on the shoulder, says, hey, go hold on there, buddy. He yelled. Is he still way back there? Did he know what was going on? Could he see through the... Did he move up front? Did it take an hour for the jailer to wake up and suddenly want to do that? 
Or was it like this? I don't know. It's interesting. But the jailer says this in Acts 16, 30, after Paul yelled, Don't kill yourself. We're all here. What must I do to be saved? Now, was he still concerned about Rome? Maybe. But I'm sure he was. But I think he was concerned with more than that. Who's praying in the back? Who's singing hymns? Is it echoing through the chambers? Through the stone walls or whatever they had? With the gospel teaching, he bent his knee towards Christ. He didn't take the world's way out with the sword. He took Christ's way out with salvation. He was saved from hell. Can you imagine wanting to take your life because life seems so bad? Or I had a bad day on the job? That's where this guy was at. 1633, he and his household were baptized at once. A little side note here. The magistrates, remember them? The ones that actually tore the clothes off Paul and Silas and then ordered the, the, the soldiers to beat them with a rod, remember them? Well, they went home that night. Well, Pilate and Silas were in the prison. I don't know. Did they have a good meal? Did they bathe? Did they say hello to their children and family? Oh, we just had a disturbing day, but we took care of it. So they wanted to let him go the next day, but Paul and Silas, Paul particularly, brought up what? Hey, buddy, you didn't let me speak. <laughs> uh, if you did, I would have told you I'm a Roman citizen. Ooh. To beat up an untried Roman citizen. Now, that doesn't mean you just live in Rome or in the Roman Empire to be a citizen. It means you had to come from a certain place within the citizenship to be a citizen and Paul was that's an offense so the magistrates were scared and apologetic they groveled and apologized Acts chapter 16 verse 39 now what's the difference between them and the jailer well the magistrates had no desire to be saved their salvation was Oh, I hope I apologize so that Rome doesn't find out. Though Paul and Silas experienced the hell of prison, the magistrates remained in the chains set for them for eternal hell. And the jailer was saved. And the jailer was saved. 
My question to you is, how important is it to look at reality with God's eyes? When bad things happen, could it be an opportunity to reach the lost? Are you looking? The third point is consider the body. According to Scripture, Paul visited Philippi in both his second and third missionary journeys. But his letter to the Philippian church was not written until he was a, a prisoner again in Rome. Much, much later. Paul writes from prison to a people who knew him from a time when he was in prison. I, I just find that interesting. So Paul writes Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, and he says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, this Philippian body of Christ had elders had deacons. They seem to be a very now thriving congregation. So Paul writes to them and says in verses 12 through 14, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What? Going to prison? And all his experiences has helped serve or spread the gospel? So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. That tells you most likely this is from his Roman prison. Where the imperial guard would be protecting the Caesar. And to all the rest that my imprisonment... <clears throat> is for Christ. Wow. My suffering is for Christ. My imprisonment is for Christ. Why is that for Christ, Paul? What good can your imprisonment do to spread the gospel? You're not in outside. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. To speak the word without fear. His imprisonment helped those who are outside of prison to get the word and to speak it to others boldly and without fear. <clears throat> yeah, you might end up in prison, Roman prison, but you might save others from going to the eternal prison. To spread the gospel message without fear. So Paul writes to the Philippian church about Christ emptying himself. That's one of my favorite passages in Philippians chapter 2. Put it together. What is Paul doing? He is emptying himself, in a sense, 
by accepting his prison so that others may be saved. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be held onto or grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now we are not Christ. What we give up for the sake of the spread of the gospel is nothing in comparison to what Christ did. But it is something important to do and may be important to do in the sharing of the gospel. Paul didn't claim to be Christ. He didn't claim to be anybody's salvation. But he did say, my imprisonment, and how I'm going through it, I would imagine, is helping those outside of the prison be bold and share the gospel message. Not to withdraw. Even in the darkest of dungeons, spiritually, physically, or mentally that people go through, we should always seek to be lights in this world. Philippians chapter 2, 14 through 16. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Where was Paul, presumably? In house arrest, probably in Rome, in prison. And he's a light of the world? Shining? Ah, yes, he is. And so are all those, all those out there who see what he's going through and watch him continue in the faith. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Now, the prize, I like that. Now, I don't believe we all face or will face prisons like Paul did. I hope not. I would not want to see anybody there unless I'm visiting. But everyone outside of Christ will face a very real and eternal prison. They need to know that only through Jesus can they be set free from their deserved punishment. From our deserved punishment. That's what sin did. As Justin referenced in his prayer at the Lord's Supper. It separated us. 
We have to get back into connection, and that's only through Christ. And we as Christians, metaphorically, are hands carrying the key of Christ or the keys of Christ. And our hands might be praying and singing in some sort of prison. Our hands might be loving one's enemy. Our hands might be any form of suffering for Christ. Especially if it impacts those on the outside who gain strength by our strength in the Lord. We run with a fixed goal. And we teach others to have the same goal. Philippians 3, 14 through 16. I press on toward the goal, Paul says. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal. That also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. As the body of Christ, are we not one in Christ? Are we not united in Christ through his blood, through his teachings, his word, his... That should include our mission, should it not? And it also includes our lifestyle. Our mission is to reach the lost. Lifestyle comes by following God's word. Philippians chapter 3, 17 and following, and I'll be closing. Brothers, oh, I like this. Paul has great experience now. He has great relationship with people who know his background, who know what he teaches, and he teaches for Christ. Brothers, Imitate me. Imitate me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. How hard would it be to be imprisoned for how many times and how long he did and to hear certain people have fallen away or others did not choose Christ. Do you think these tears are just metaphoric poetry? I think he cried. I think he cried. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and the glory is in their shame with minds set on earthly things. What does he know? Where does he know they're going? Why would he be crying like that if it truly didn't mean anything? But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. We're talking about God, aren't we? Wow! 
That sounds a whole lot better than hell. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Why would he say stand firm if it doesn't matter how you live? The lesson is called Saving from Hell. Now, you can't go and tell anybody you haven't heard a sermon on hell lately. Because I hear that's something that's not taught a lot about, isn't it? Though Jesus brought up that topic more than anybody else. The first point is consider the Lord's mission. His mission is to save people from eternal hell. Do you think he cries when people don't choose him? Consider his reality. As the jailer, so is everyone whose sins are not forgiven through Christ. That is, as the jailer was. Consider the body. As Jesus emptied himself for this mission, as Jesus emptied himself for this mission, so should we. Are we taking the form of a servant of our Lord Jesus Christ? Are we looking beyond this world's suffering to the prize of eternity with God? Again, the Lord's Supper, Bill brought up most people are worried about life here. And he brings up the concept of death <laughs> as a positive for the Christian. Because Christ is the one who gives life. Well, next week's lesson will not be on hell. I promise you. The lesson really is yours. Do with what the Lord wants you to do with it. If there's anybody here today who has any needs or prayer requests this morning, please come forward now as together we stand and sing. If the skies above you are